You are now entering a world. A world beyond the reach of the average eye. A world filled with wondrous imagination. Where good and evil are an epic struggle. An everlasting fight. Where courage and bravery lurk around every corner. And the magic of the mind is unleashed. Welcome to Avery World. Previously on Avery World Stories, Jane Danger received a call from David, who reminded her she can operate outside the law. She received a visit from Father Morrison, who told her that Brother Charles was disturbed and he himself checked him in to trust him. That's when Jane decides to drive and see trust him, but it stopped by Mother Margaret and the nuns. Mother Margaret tells her she was her age when she joined the commissary. And that's when Jane goes to visit Sister Joan and has a elevated prayer session. I've already spoken to the FBI and the police. Why would I speak to you? Dr. Claremont Trustin said as he sat behind his desk in his office, his exhaustion evident. I'm a private investigator hired by the church. You don't want me to go back and tell Father Morrison that you refused to answer questions that could save the lives of his clergymen, do you? I said, hoping he'd bite on my bluff instead. He scoffed. That church. Pathetic. Where were the church when the Nazis invaded my country? Forcing me and my family to flee. They did nothing. It wasn't until the Allied troops freed my country that we came home to rubble and chaos. The church did nothing to help. Trust in God. Believe in God when the devil's at your doorstep, they abandon you. Tell you to pray while your wife and children starve. I have no love lost for such things. Do you have a love lost for death? Excuse me? Because nine people have died at the hands of this man. You released, and now nine more may die in six days if we don't act now. I'll tell you what I told the others. Charles is too far gone. His beliefs drive him, and his determination is deadly. If you're afraid of what he can do, then why release him? I had no choice. A mental institution, not a prison. Patients are committed either on their own accord or by a relative, maybe the state. But those cases are rare. He was suffering from schizophrenic behavior, but he wasn't a danger to himself or others. When Sister Joan dropped him off here... Wait, 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 wait. Sister Joan dropped him off. I was told he was convinced to commit himself after he was called Stalking Sister Joan. Stalking Sister Joan? Stalking Sister... Miss Danger, you have been lied to. Sister Joan and Father Charles were more than just friends, if you ask me. And I'm sure Father Morrison only recommended he come here because it was not controlled by the state. He would have free access to him. And he came often, sometimes with Sister Joan, but she stopped coming a few months ago. They tried to spray their poison to others, but I stopped them. I said, talk to your priest and leave my patients out of it. You told this to the police. I've told them the same thing I told you. This is all about Father Morrison. 
he is controlling the situation. He hired me to watch the nuns. Why do you think he did that? Why do you think? You have a reputation. You violated your PI license and investigated a case in California. Then you ignore the police to solve a case that ended up with four buddies dead. I bet you're putting yourself in danger of being arrested right now just by being here. Once you hire Jane Danger, you are getting a person that will stop at nothing to solve the case. If he thinks I'm that good, he knows I'm going to connect the dots back to him. Maybe, Miss Danger. He's expecting that. As I left the mental institution, I had more than just the thought running through my mind. The more I thought about it, the more enraged I became. The very man who hired me is the one pulling all the strings. This is reminiscent of my last case, but this time I fear that Father Morrison is not on the side of righteousness like George Meade was. His intentions are evil and his methods are even more disastrous. If I'm not careful, I could end up on the wrong side of this one. Being nothing more than a number and an increasingly high body count in a religious war that, in my estimation, has been raging for some time. As I shut the door to my car, I was suddenly surrounded by FBI agents, guns drawn. Marks came out of the shadows and right up to my car as they pulled me out and placed the cuffs on me. Jane Danger, you are under arrest for interfering in a federal investigation. He said, as he once again walked in real close. I told you to stay away from Justin, did I not? You're arresting the wrong person and you know it, I said as they carted me off to jail. The cell was cold and dark. My solitude gave me a lot of time to think. The food gave me a lot of experience in defecating in a bucket. All the same, the quiet was nice. I felt that the world had gotten too loud for my own sake. All the ambition and promises, all the opinions and fears roaming around my head, sometimes we all need a break to get our heads on straight. My break came in the form of a prison cell. For three days, they kept me locked in that cell awaiting a bell hearing. Though I knew one wouldn't come. It was rare that a cop spent enough time near myself for me to ask for my phone call. But at least my mother was allowed to see me every once in a while. It was a rigged system and I knew it. But I refused to make a scene because decorum is the only way to keep respect around hyenas like these. And because I knew I was right where I needed to be. We were three days from the date of the next killings and with the lives of nine nuns up in the air. It was only a matter of time before someone came and got me. This was too high profile a case for these men to risk failing and taking the shit storm that would be heading their way once they did. They were gonna need someone to shield them from it, someone to take the brunt of the shit, and I was the perfect female candidate. That's probably why Father Morrison hired me in the first place. Looks like being a woman finally would pay off. When they finally opened the door to my cell, I was relieved. Not that I was getting out, but that things were finally moving. I felt as if the wheels on this train had come screeching to a halt. Instead of actively pursuing this killer, it felt as if we were just waiting for him to strike. They led me into the interrogation room and sat me down at a wooden desk. They cupped me to the table and left me there. Minutes went by until the door opened again and the person who entered was not who I expected. It was Chief Harold Roberts, an older fellow that I only met a few times in passing when I was a secretary here at the station. He had a military track record in the body to back it up. He walked in, closing the door behind him, and just looked at me. 
He walked over to me, towering over me, his shadow eclipsing the light coming from above. I told them not to handcuff you, he said as he pulled a key out of his pocket and unlocked my cuffs, releasing me from my mobile still prison. When do police officers ever listen, right? He walked over to the other side of the table and sat down. Jane, I'm going to be frank with you. He began. These are federal charges. I would drop them if I could, but I have no jurisdiction. Then direct me to the person who does. I said in a low tone, trying to hide my exhaustion, but mask my anger just enough not to upset him. He seemed to be a nice guy and on my side by the way he was acting. But he had to know I still meant business. That would be Agent Sparks. But he's at the commissary keeping an eye on the nuns. Isn't that what you were hired to do? Are you interrogating me? Because I thought these were federal charges. No, I'm trying to help. But if you don't want it, then go to hell. He says as he gets up and heads for the door. Wait. I said, giving into his mind games. Help me how? He stopped and returned to his seat. Agent Sparks seems to like you. Which is why he agreed to let me keep you here, not transfer you to Virginia to be held accountable for your crimes. How nice of him. It means he doesn't want to prosecute you. How you stay here a couple more days? He may allow the whole thing to blow over. But not you. You can't wait that long. I said, challenging him once more. No. Not me. I got that damn Morrison breathing down my ass. If I keep you locked in here, he'll have the Pope on the next goddamn plane. I thought the church and state were supposed to be separated. They are. But I bet the church wrote that. We leave each other alone until we can't. In matters like these, he'll have my men go to Father Morrison's church, the other half to Father, Father Connolly. Which one did you go to? If you're trying to find out if I bought into the whole evolving church propaganda, I didn't. Didn't despise them for it. Didn't agree with it. I don't want the sermon being read by some Negro. Just as much as the next guy. Damn it, be a woman. He said with a chuckle that ended almost instantly when I shot him the nastiest look. Don't bring that dog to my doorstep. He scolded me. I always admired you when you were here. You didn't swoon like the rest of the women. You worked hard. And I know you wanted to join the force. And I know you think it's my fault that you didn't. Isn't it? You call the shots. Yeah, but I didn't make the system, Jane. You're gonna blame me for the fault of the whole society? You could have tried to help me. They would have listened to you. Some people don't want to be revolutionaries. I'm not stomping on any fingers here. I play the hand I was dealt. And I think the deal has been plenty damn generous. You're going to release me because... He paused for a second, leaned back in his chair and smirked. I could imagine the thoughts about me going around his head. Because Father Morrison is a much tougher dealer than Agent Sparks and I would love to have him on my side more than the feds. I stood up, my arrogance swooning. Melvin, let's not waste my time. Sit down. He said without batting an eye. His tone was forceful, echoed throughout the small windowless room. I sat. That's when Chief Roberts started laughing again. Jesus, no wonder men don't want women on the force. Are you seriously just going to walk out of here before I let you? Nine people's lives are at stake here. If you think Morrison wanted me in here, then imagine what- We have three days, calm down. He said with an elevated tone and I stopped. They're going to tell me what Trustin told you. Everything. He said that Charles was aggressive. He, he wasn't behaving. He was a menace and shouldn't be released, but Sister Jones signed him in. She's the one that signed him out. I said, 
and a shocked look in his eyes told the whole story. It looks like Dr. Trustin has been telling lies. What? Trustin didn't tell you that? No, he did. I wasn't talking about him. I was talking about Father Morrison. Why are you talking about Father Morrison? Because I don't trust him. If you don't trust your priest, you surprised. The last man you trusted almost got you shot, which is why I know you don't trust him either. He said as he leaned in forward in his chair. You know he's hiding something, Jane. I know he hired you, and I know you've had three days to think about everything he said to you. And I know they don't match with what Trustin told you. So tell me and I can help. How? You gonna put him in handcuffs? Bishop Plank's gonna love that. I'm not worried about Bishop Plank. I'm worried about you. Wherever you go, people die. I haven't been anywhere near these cases and people still died, so that's on you. Don't lay those deaths at my doorstep. You are one tough bitch. So are you. What did he tell you? He told me he committed Charles after he was caught stalking Sister Joan. That's what Morrison said. I'm now beginning to think Sister Joan and him was more than friends. If she committed him and she went and got him... He wasn't acting alone, plus, Father Morrison was frequently visiting this institution and spreading some type of poison to not only Charles, but everyone. Joan was moved to Mother Margaret's care four months ago to keep an eye on her. Before that, she was with Father Connolly. Both are radicals. And you're suggesting Father Morrison is behind the murders of Father Connolly and eight other members of the clergy. Off the record, I don't have concrete proof. But, if I can talk to Sister Joan, I know I can get it out of her. There was silence. It was easy to see he was thinking of a plan, more likely. I was trying to figure out his motive for bringing me in here. I'm seeing this as some type of twisted audition. He was friendly to see if I put my guard down. When I didn't, he switched tactics to pressuring me into a confession. When that didn't work, he insulted me. Now, here we are. Me cooperating and him being silent. Did Sparks talk to Morrison yet? I said, interrupting his thinking time. Sparks isn't talking to anyone. He's trying to catch a killer. He's going to catch the wrong killer. Me and you both know that. But we also know we can't cross the feds. If you didn't want to cross the feds, you wouldn't have brought me in here. What do you want, Chief? I want you to solve this thing. Everyone's at the commissary. Don't worry about those nuns. If Father Morrison is playing an intricate game, we'll have a paper trail. We have to put pressure on him. Wait for him to slip. What if he doesn't? He's a priest, not a saint. He'll slip. And when he does, we'll be there to make sure he hits the ground. Sounds like you're about to put me on a payroll. Agree not to take a dime from Father Morrison, and I'll get your paperwork filed right now. Deal. I said, and we shook hands. Now all that was left to do was put the screws to Father Morrison. Being in church during the day is ominous enough, especially for a non-believer like myself. But being in one at night alone is even creepier. The tall ceilings give the wind a vibrating echo. Each footstep chimes off the wooden floor like a bass kick and a drumbeat. And the eyes. The eyes of God stare down at you in the most invasive ways. As if he's peering into the essence of your soul. Or just trying to sneak a peek at my breast. I couldn't figure out the difference. What I didn't notice were the candles that were burning throughout. I doubt they left them burning without someone nearby to keep a watchful eye. I knew I had to be cautious, if Father Morrison was behind the killings, that I don't want to find myself on his bad side, especially if he's as connected as he says he is. 
A man with the power of the bishop on his side can do a lot of good or a lot of bad. I wish I knew the difference between the two, as I've learned that the gray area between them leaves little wiggle room. My only hope of solving this case was stay alive for at least three more days. I walked to the altar, pausing for a bit as I remembered that I was supposed to join the black before approaching God. I knew no one was watching, but still. In a candlelit church at night, alone with death looming. You try not to genuflect when Jesus literally stares at you. Just my luck, because the door to Father Morrison's office was locked. Hello? Came from inside the office, and I immediately recognized the voice of the Father himself. I turned to make myself scarce, but couldn't get out of the way fast enough before he opened the door. Miss Danger? He said, stopping me in my attempt to retreat. What a surprise. I thought quickly what to say as he came out of his office and walked right to me. I turned around, figuring the only way to cover my tracks was to pretend I needed him for something. Father Morrison, I was hoping you'd be here. I was looking for you. Well, I'm glad you came, my child. Being locked up for three days must have raised many questions in your head. Yes? I'm not here to talk about the case. I told him, trying to keep his suspicions off of me. Really? He said in such a way that I could tell I had failed to do such a thing. A, f- a few days ago, before I was arrested, I prayed with Sister Joan. It-, it was the first time I had prayed in a while, but while I was locked up, I found myself praying, and I-, and I was wondering what the process would be to get back involved with the church after such a lengthy absence. Ah, Sister Joan did inform me of your prayer session, but these are questions for Sunday, hardly the middle of the night. I know, but given the present circumstances of this case, I felt that it might be pressing for me to find myself in good standing with the Lord. I told him, no longer pretending. The truth was, I was beginning to question my standing in the eyes of God. One doesn't face death and not wonder about what lies in the beyond. My life hasn't been a holy one, but at least I could try turning over a new leaf before potentially meeting my possible maker. Of course, Jane. He was interrupted by a moaning coming from down the hall. It piqued both our interests as I reached for my gun. No need, he said, looking at my pistol with disgust. If you want to increase your position with the Lord, then try not bringing loaded firearms into his house. Yes, Father. I'll take care of this. Just stay here, he said, as he walked off down the long hallway to the back of the church and out of sight. I used this moment to take advantage of his unlocked door and enter his office. Not much had changed since I was first in his office five days earlier. The place was still a borderline between... Clustered mess and organized frenzy. I scoured through his desk looking for something that would link Father Morrison to Charles or Sister Joan. After finding nothing, I went through his bookshelf. The size of the religious texts and doctrines that stood on his wooden shelves were massive. It was a surprise the shelves themselves didn't cave in from such weight. As far as I could tell, there was nothing out of the ordinary. There was another smaller bookshelf on the other side of his office. This shelf didn't contain books, but binders holding letters handwritten by Bishop Plank. I also noticed other priests and bishops' signatures on some as well. It would have taken me hours to search through each one of those letters, but I was able to snoop out some key words and phrases. It was clear they were keeping an eye on Father Connolly and other priests in the area. Mother Margaret was mentioned as well. I couldn't prove it, but now I knew there was something there. Then I found a letter from Sister Joan dated only ten weeks ago. It wasn't long, and the body was mostly bullet points, but the gist was clear. Sister Joan wrote to Father Morrison confirming the release of Charles from the institution and the kicker. The next murder 
was take place on Sunday at Sister Margaret's commissary. That's when I heard footsteps coming back from the hallway. I quickly exited his office, trying to leave it as I entered. Father Morrison was quicker than he looked. He was basically inside the main room before I could get to the altar. When he saw me standing up on the stage pretending to be examining the statue of Christ on the cross, I knew he was suspicious. I may have been sinning, but I'm glad I had my gun now. Does the statue scare you? He said as he just stood there watching me. It's not a comfort. Do you know why Christ died on the cross? Wasn't it to clean the world of sin or something? Very good, Miss Dandy, very good. But it was more than that. Why care about the world's sins when the world is filled with sinners? Why die to wipe their ledger clean when they were simply dirtied up again? Well, when you put it that way, you make them sound like a fool. No, Jesus Christ was no fool, Father Morrison said as he stepped up on the stage. He was simply doing what his father had told him to do. He continued, now walking up next to me, standing in front of the statue. God is a forgiving being. He is a loving one, but he makes mistakes. He thought that humans could live in the Garden of Eden. He was wrong. He thought that human beings were capable of good. He was wrong. So he flooded the earth. He thought Ten Commandments were enough to govern his people, and he was wrong. But he always makes amends for his mistakes, sending plagues, destruction, meteors, viruses. He will keep order, no matter the cost. Because the living need guidance, but the stubborn do not listen to reason when temptation breathes all around them. They are weak, prone to radical thinking and mob mentalities. So he speaks to the few that are willing to right the wrongs he himself gave life to. I'm not opposed to be wanting civil rights, but God cannot have a fight infecting our church. That is a matter of state and religion, and it will be kept separate. At all costs. I said, finishing his sentence. At all costs, he repeated. Why tell me? That's basically a confession. I chose you because you have a conscience greater than that of the average person. You can see truth past the scales of right and wrong, and you understand firsthand that sacrifice, even if it was one's life, a sacrifice for the greatest good, is necessary for justice. George Meade gave his life to stop a madman, not save one. Sister Joan, did tell me about your prayer session, about the questions you asked her. See, Sister Joan is a beacon of good. She does what must be done in order to keep order amongst the chaos. I know that when the time comes, you would do the same. What are you talking about? Father Charles is out of line. If he is the one performing these killings, then you must do what the Lord intends for you to do. You want me to kill a man. It matters not what I want of you. It's what the Lord commands of his children. And what has he commanded of you, Father? To rid the church of radical thinking? To keep it safe. And with that, I figured our conversation was over. He was on to me and there was no doubt about that. He was in contact with Joan behind the entire plan with Charles. Margaret's fate will be decided in three days and only I have the power to choose who lives or dies. But the outcome of my choice may affect my life as well. I will not arrest a nun under the suspicion of murder. Agent Sparks says as he throws his hand on his hips in the middle of Chief Robert's office. I sat in a chair in front of Robert's desk watching him throw a fit as the chief held the tape from the wire I had under my jacket in his hand. As far as I'm concerned, you guys did not have the required paperwork to process that wire in the first place. 
so it's illegal and admissible, and he gave no confession. With the letters she found planning a murder in this tape, it's enough for a warrant, Robert said, elevating his tone a little as to try and snap Agent Sparks back to reality. A faulty warrant. Off of a faulty wire and suspicions of a letter, yet he's probably burned by now. And she didn't have the right to enter his office. The door was open. It's called trespassing. You can't trespass in a church. I work for the FBI. We do things by the book. Oh yeah, because no one ever just shown up dead by the hands of the FBI. Robert mocks. And I didn't sit well with Sparks, giving him pause. Wait till I go back and tell Hoover how you do business here in Nevada. I think he'll be very pleased. I'm sure he will. Acting with cause, working the system, I think he'll offer us a job, right Jane? He said, as he gave me a smile, still twirling the tape around his fingers. You guys want to play bullshit ball? Okay, let's play bullshit ball. I did not authorize her release, he said, pointing at me. As far as I'm concerned, she's a federal fugitive. She's in a police station. Technically, she's still in custody, Robert said with a vindictive smile. Do you think this is a joke? I will haul both your asses down to federal prison for interfering in an FBI investigation. Sabotage. Oh, bullshit. Roberts lets out. Excuse me. I butted into this testosterone fest. I'm as much in this case as the both of you, and as far as I'm concerned, I was doing you a favor. And you will rot in federal prison for it, do you understand? You're not going to do that, Chief Roberts said. Damn right you're not. I chimed in. We got this guy cold the rights. We can get Judge Schwillick to give us a warrant and I can lead you right to the letters. And you think he was telling you the truth? Sparks added. He knew you were in prison for three days. You were released rather quickly and without bail. And he caught you snooping around his office. He probably knew you were wearing the damn wire in the first place. Technically, he didn't catch me in his office. Just outside. I said lowly. And boy, Sparks shot a look at me that would turn anyone to stone. And I thought he liked me. Listen, Agent Sparks, I said standing up. I know you don't like how this happened, but we got him. It's enough for a warrant to search the church at least. There are papers in there from bishops and other priests condemning the actions and teachings of Father Connolly, Father Johnson, and Mother Margaret, and not to mention Joan confessing to a murder in three days. Johnson and Connolly and their followers are dead. Margaret is next, and this could stop be- before we get to Sunday. I pleaded with him, but he said nothing. He just stood there silently. We have two days to catch this guy. If we don't act now, then we would have failed to save the lives of nine people. All right, kid, he finally said before turning to Chief Roberts. Can you get a search warrant? I know Patty loves to bend the rules. I can get you a search warrant. You get a search warrant and I will go. But this is not an FBI matter. This is your police department acting independently. And unless she's on payroll, she can't be anywhere near it. He said, motioning to me. Eh, she's a consultant. Who is on payroll? I said proudly. Flatsy, Roberts added. Sparks said nothing to our banter. He just rolled his eyes and left the room. We can get a warrant in two days, right? It's Friday morning. We got till five o'clock. Or we ain't seeing nobody till Monday at eight. Well then let's get on it. Where's Patty? I said confidently as I followed him out of the room. No. Judge Patty Shrillick said as she rose from her desk and packed some papers into a folder. You know, Harold, 
I would bend a lot of rules for you, but crossing the church? That's a bridge I don't want burned. It has nothing to do with the church, Chief Roberts said, to which she just laughed off. <laughs> and I like to keep it that way, she said as she headed for the door. Wait, I said, finally speaking up. I had only said a few words in this short meeting since I had never met her and had zero trust established. I let Harold do most of the talking, but now it seemed that he couldn't handle it, so I figured it needed a woman's touch. You can't just ignore the evidence we have on this guy. We have a wire confession and documents. A wire, she said with a laugh as she threw Roberts a hard look. He shot it right back at me, and it was then that I remembered that he didn't tell her about the wire, and it was probably for a good reason. And who authorized the wire? I'm the chief. No one needs to authorize anything. You're a local police chief in Vegas. Where did you even find the wire? Whatever. She said, not waiting for him to answer. No, the wire wasn't authorized, but it doesn't change the fact that the man confessed to me, a private investigator. Listen, Miss Danger, she said, softening her tone, as if to warn me about the deafening blow that she was readying to deliver. I believe he gave you a confession, and I believe that Father Morrison is behind all of this. I honestly do. And I'm sure those documents you found were real. But this isn't some Hollywood missing persons case. This is Vegas. You need due process, evidence, tangible proof. You have none of it, and you're trying to cross the church, which even the mobs are afraid of. And with this warrant, we'll have all of it. I argued. That's not how the system works, she refuted. Then it's a dumb system. It's the only one we have. Now, if you excuse me, I'm late for court, she said as she headed for the door. And as soon as all seemed lost, an idea popped into my head. I know you're afraid of Father Morrison, but nine people are about to die. And if Hoover found out that you had a chance to sign a warrant that could have prevented that, what will soon be a national tragedy, and you didn't over a technicality. Do you think Father Morrison or Bishop Plank will protect you then? Heads will roll. You think the church has a larger chopping block than Edgar Hoover? And this stopped her cold. She thought about it for only seconds, but it seemed like minutes, and to her it must have seemed like hours. Hoover on one end, Morrison on the other, she said. I looked over at Robert who shrugged his shoulders at me as he looked back at her. I wouldn't want to be on either shit list, she said. But if you're going after Plank's guy, you should at least inform him. What if we're going after him too? Roberts asked rhetorically. Then you better nail him, she said, and then she paused. For all our sakes, you'll have your warrant by end of day. Two days before nine people end up dead. What's your plan? We're figuring that out, Roberts said. You better figure it out quick. You raid a church, you're poking a hornet's nest. Once you enter, there's no going back. See yourselves out, she concluded as she left. Me and Chief Roberts stood there in silence. She's right, he said, finally speaking up. We're going after the Catholic Church. It's going to get ugly. I'm used to ugly, I said to him as I left the office. On the next episode of Everworld Stories, as Jane waits for the warrant, she goes to visit her mother in the two of an unlikely coming to Jesus moment. As you exit our world, remember, life is what you make it. So make it joyous, make it wonderful, and make it filled with imagination.